at One Day University. We feature hundreds of top-rated professors from Stanford, Harvard, Michigan, Texas, UCLA, and other schools across the world to explore history, music, politics, art, science, and much more. Every Wednesday, our weekly Scholar Newsletter includes five fascinating short video clips of our most notable professors discussing a brand new topic, plus special reports and topical debates as well. Sign up for free at OneDayU.com. That's O-N-E-D-A-Y-U.com. show on civil rights. My name is Barbara Bullen and I'm one of the radio hosts for the New Heights show on education and the New Heights educational group. I hope you enjoy the show and I'm asking our listeners to consider becoming a sponsor. This show is pre-recorded. This show is one of three based on the confession of abolitionist Nat Turner which comes from digitalcommons.unl.edu. To the public, the late insurrection in Southampton has greatly excited the public mind and led to a thousand idle, exaggerated and mischievous reports. It is the first instance in our history of an open rebellion of the slaves and attended with such atrocious circumstances of cruelty and destruction as could not fail to leave a deep impression not only upon the minds of the community where this fearful tragedy was wrought, but throughout every portion of our country in which this population is to be found. Public curiosity has been on the stretch to understand the origin and progress of this dreadful conspiracy and the motives which influences its diabolical actors. The insurgent slaves had all been destroyed or apprehended, tried and executed, with the exception of the leader, without revealing anything at all satisfactory as to the motives which governed them, or the means by which they expected to accomplish their object. Everything connected with this sad affair was wrapped in mystery until Nat Turner, the leader of this ferocious band, whose name has resounded throughout our widely extended empire, was captured. This great bandit was taken by a single individual in a cave near the residence of his late owner on Sunday, the 30th of October, without attempting to make the slightest resistance and on the following day, safely lodged in the jail of the county. His captor was Benjamin Phipps, armed with a shotgun, well charged. Nat's only weapon was a small light sword, which he immediately surrendered and begged that his life might be spared. Since his confinement by permission of the jailer, 
I have had ready access to him, and finding that he was willing to make a full and free confession of the origin, progress, and consummation of the insurrectory movements of the slaves of which he was the contriver and head. I determined for the gratification of public curiosity to commit his statements to writing and publish them with little or no variation from his own words, that this is a faithful record of his confessions, the annexed certificate of the County Court of Southampton will attest. They certainly bear one stamp of truth and sincerity. He makes no attempt, as all the other insurgents who were examined did, to exculpate himself but frankly acknowledges his full participation in all the guilt of the transaction. He was not only the contriver of the conspiracy, but gave the first blow towards its execution. It will, it will thus appear that whilst everything upon the surface of society wore a calm and peaceful aspect, whilst not one note of preparation was heard to warn the devoted inhabitants of woe and death, a glooming fanatic, was revolving in the recesses of his own dark, bewildered and overwrought mind schemes of indiscriminate massacre to the whites. Schemes too fearfully executed as far as his fiendish band proceeded in their desolating march. No cry for mercy penetrated their flinty bosoms. No acts of remembered kindness made the least impression upon these remorseless murderers. Men, women and children from hoary age to helpless infancy were involved in the same cruel fate. Never did a band of savages do their work of death more unsparingly. Apprehension for their own personal safety seems to have been the only principle of restraint in the whole course of their bloody proceedings, and it is not the least remarkable feature in this horrid transaction that a band actuated by such hellish purposes should have resisted so feebly when met by the whites in arms. Desperation alone, one would think, might have led to greater efforts. More than twenty of them attacked Dr. Blunt's house on Tuesday morning, a little before daybreak, defended by two men and three boys. They fed precipitately at the first fire, and their future plans of mischief were utterly, were entirely disconcerted and broken up. Escaping thus, each individual sought his own safety either in concealment or by returning home with the hope that his participation might escape detection. And all were shot down in the course of a few days, or captured and brought to trial and punishment. Nat has survived all his followers, and the gallows will, will speedily close his career. His own account of the conspiracy is submitted to the public, without comment. It reads an awful, and it is hoped a useful lesson, as to the operations of a mind like his, endeavouring to grapple with things beyond its reach. How it first became bewildered and confounded, and finally corrupted, and led to the conception and perpetration of the most atrocious and heartrending deeds. It is calculated also to to demonstrate the policy of our laws in restraint of this class of our population and to induce all those entrusted with their execution as well as our citizens generally to see that they are strictly and rigidly enforced. 
Each particular community should look to its own safety, whilst the general guardians of the laws keep a watchful eye over all. If Nat's statements can be relied on, the insurrection in this county was entirely local, and, and his designs confined it but to a few, and these in his immediate vicinity. It was not instigated by motives of revenge or sudden anger, but the results of long deliberation and a settled purpose of mind. The offspring of gloomy fanaticism, acting upon materials, but too well prepared for such impressions. It will be long remembered in the annals of our country, and many a mother, as she presses her infant darling to her bosom, will shudder at the recollection of Nat Turner and his band of ferocious miscreants. Believing the following narrative by removing doubts and conjectures from the public mind, which otherwise might have remained, would give general satisfaction. It is respectfully submitted to the public by their observant. T.R. Gray, Jerusalem, Southampton, Virginia, November the 5th, 1831. We the undersigned members of the court convened at Jerusalem on September on Saturday, the fifth day of November, 1831, for the trial of Nat, alias Nat Turner, a Negro slave, late, the property of Putnam Moore, deceased, do hereby certify that the confessions of Nat to Thomas R. Gray was read to him in our presence, and that Nat acknowledged the same to be full, free, and voluntary, and that furthermore, when called upon by the presiding magistrate of the court, the state if, had, if he had anything to say, why sentence of death should not be passed upon him, replied, he had nothing further than he had communicated to Mr. Gray, given under our hands and seals at Jerusalem this fifth day of November, 1831. Jer Jeremiah Cobb, seal. Thomas Pretlow, seal. James W. Parker, Seal, Carl Bowers, Seal, Samuel B. Hines, Seal, Horace A. Brown, Seal, State of Virginia, Southampton County. I, James Roch Rochelle, Clerk of the County Court of Southampton to the State of Virginia, do hereby certify that Jeremiah Cobb, Thomas Pretlow, James W. Parker, Carl Bowers, Samuel B. Hines, and Horace A. Brown Esquires are acting justices of the peace in and for the county aforesaid and were members of the court which convened at Jerusalem on Saturday, the 5th day of November, 1831, for the trial of Nat, alias Nat Turner, a Negro slave, late, the property of Putnam Moore, deceased, who was tried and convicted as an insurgent in the late insurrection in the county of Southampton aforesaid, and that full faith and credit are due and ought to be given to their acts as justice of the peace aforesaid, in testimony whereof I have hereunto set my hand and caused the seal of the court aforesaid to be affixed this fifth day of November, 1831, James Rochelle, C.S. C. C. 
right now. You might be struggling through your classes or even failing them. You might be worried that you may not finish high school. There might have even been a thought that you may not be smart enough. Well, the New Heights Educational Group begs to differ. We not only think you are smart enough, but with our help, you will complete your high school diploma. The New Heights Educational Group strives to improve your academic success through its tutoring services. To learn more, please visit newheightseducation.org and contact us. New Heights Educational Group, educational resources to help reach your goals. Hello, listeners. If you're enjoying the New Heights show on education and want to support or donate to our organization, please visit www.newheightseducation.org. And while you're there, check out our online store, Welcome back to the New Heights Show on Education. My name is Barbara Bullen, and I'm the radio host for this show. This show is pre-recorded and focuses on the history of civil rights. A recap of the first segment of the show on the abolitionist Nat Turner's confession will continue. Agreeable to his own appointment on the evening, he was committed to prison with permission of the jailer. I visited Nat on Tuesday, the 1st November, when, without being questioned at all, he commenced his narrative in the following words. Sir, you've asked me to give a history of the motives which induced me to undertake the late insurrection, as you call it. To do so, I must go back to the days of my infancy and even before I was born. I was 31 years of age, the 2nd of October last, and born the property of Benjamin Turner of this county. In my childhood, a circumstance occurred which made an indelible impression on my mind and laid the groundwork of that enthusiasm which has terminated so fatally to many both black, both white and black, and for which I am about to tone at the gallows. It is here necessary to relate this circumstance, trifling as it may seem, it was the commencement of that belief which has grown with time, and even now, sir, in this dungeon, helpless and forsaken as I am, I cannot divest, divest myself of. Being at play with other children when three or four years old, I was telling them something which my mother overhearing said it had happened before I was born. I stuck to my story, however, and related some things which went, in her opinion, to confirm it. Others being called on were greatly astonished, knowing that these things had happened, and caused them to say in my hearing, I surely would be a prophet as the Lord has shown me things that had happened before my birth. And my father and mother strengthened me in this, my first impression, saying in my presence, I was intended for some great purpose, which they had always thought from certain marks on my head and breast, a parcel of excrescences, which I believe are not at all uncommon, particularly among Negroes, as I have seen several with the same. 
In this case, he has either cut them off or they have nearly disappeared. My grandmother, who was very religious and to whom I was much attached, my master, who belonged to the church and other religious persons who visited the house and whom I often saw at prayers, noticing the singularity of my manners, I suppose, in my uncommon intelligence for a child, remarked, I had too much sense to be raised, and if I was, I would never be of any service to any one as a slave. To a mind like mine, restless, inquisitive, and observant of everything that was passing, it is easy to suppose that religion was a subject to which it would be directed, and although the subject principally occupied my thoughts, there was nothing that I saw or heard of to which my attention was not directed. The manner in which I learned to read and write not only had great influence on my own mind as I acquired it with the most perfect ease, so much so that I have no recollection whatever of learning the alphabet, but to the astonishment of the family, one day, when a book was shown me to keep me from crying, I began spelling, spelling the names of different objects. This was a source of wonder to all in the neighborhood, particularly the blacks, and this learning was constantly improved at all opportunities when I got large enough to go to work while employed. I was reflecting on many things that would present themselves to my imagination, and whenever an opportunity occurred of, of looking at a book, when the school children were getting their lessons, I would find many things that the fertility of my own imagination had depicted to me before. All my time, not devoted to my master's service, was spent either in prayer or in making experiments in casting different things in moulds made of earth in attempting to make paper, gunpowder, and many other experiments that although I could not perfect, yet convinced me of its practicability if I had the means. I was not addicted to stealing in my youth, nor have ever been. Yet such was the confidence of the Negroes in the neighborhood even at this early period of my life, in my superior judgment that they would often carry me with them when they were going on any roguery to plan for them. Growing up among them with this confidence in my superior judgment, and when this, in their opinions, was perfected by divine inspiration from the circumstances already alluded to in my infancy, and which belief was, uh, was ever afterwards zealously inculcated by the austerity of my life and manners, which became the subject of remark by white and black. Having soon discovered to be great, I must appear so, and therefore studiously avoided mixing in society and wrapped myself in mystery, devoting my time to fasting and prayer. By this time, Having arrived to man's estate, and hearing the scriptures commented on at meetings, I was struck with that particular passage which says, Seek ye the kingdom of heaven, and all things shall be added unto you. I reflected much on this passage, and prayed dearly for light on this subject. As I was praying one day at my plough, the Spirit spoke to me, saying, Seek ye the kingdom of heaven, and all things shall be added unto you. Question. What do you mean by the Spirit? Answer. The Spirit that spoke to the prophets in former days, 
and I was greatly astonished, and for two years prayed continually whenever my duty would permit. And then again I had the same revelation, which fully confirmed me in the impression that I was ordained for some great purpose in the hands of the Almighty. Several years rolled around in which many events occurred to strengthen me in this my belief. At this time I reverted in my mind to the remarks made of me in my childhood, and the things that had been shown me, and as it had been said of me in my childhood by those by whom I had been taught to pray, both white and black, and in whom I had the greatest confidence that I had too much sense to be raised, and if I was, I would never be of any use to anyone as a slave. Now finding I had arrived to man's estate and was a slave, and these revelations being made known to me, I began to direct my attention to this great object, to fulfill the purpose for which by this time I felt assured I was intended. Knowing the influence I had obtained over the minds of my fellow servants, not by the means of conjuring and such like tricks, for to them I always spoke of such things with contempt, but by the communion of the Spirit, whose revelations I often communicated to them, and they believed and said, My wisdom came from God. I now began to prepare them for my purpose, by telling them something was about to happen that would terminate in fulfilling the great promise that had been made to me. About this time I was placed under an overseer, from whom I ran away, and after remaining in the woods thirty days, I returned to the astonishment of the negroes on the plantation, who thought I had made my escape to some other part of the country, as my father had done before. But the reason of my return was that the spirit appeared. When questioned as to the manner of manufacturing those different articles, he was found well informed on the subject. Having soon discovered to be great, I must appear so, and therefore studiously avoided mixing in society and wrapped myself in mystery, devoting my time to fasting and prayer. By this time, having arrived to man's estate, and hearing the scriptures commented on at meetings, I was struck with that particular passage which says, Seek ye the kingdom of heaven, and all things shall be added unto you. I reflected much on this passage and prayed dearly for light on this subject. As I was praying one day at my plough, the Spirit spoke to me, saying, Seek ye the kingdom of heaven, and all things shall be added unto you. Question. What do you mean by the Spirit? Answer. The Spirit that spoke to the prophets in former days, and I was greatly astonished, and for two years prayed continually whenever my duty would permit. And then I get I had... I had the same revelation, which fully confirmed me in the impression that I was ordained for some great purpose in the hands of the Almighty. Several years rolled around, in which many events occurred to strengthen me in this my belief. At this time I reverted in my mind to the remarks made of me in my childhood, and the things that had been shown me, and as it had been said of me in my childhood, by those by whom I had been taught to pray both white and black, and in whom I had the greatest confidence that I had too much sense to be raised, and if I was, I would never be of any use to anyone as a slave. Now finding I had arrived to man's estate and was a slave, and these revelations being made known to me, I began to direct my attention to this great object to fulfill the purpose 
for which by this time I felt assured I was intended. Knowing the influence I had obtained over the minds of my fellow servants, not by the means of conjuring and such like tricks fought to them, I always spoke of such things with contempt, but by the communion of the Spirit, whose revelations I often communicated to them, and they believed and said my wisdom came from God, and now began to prepare them for my purpose by telling them something was about to happen that would terminate in fulfilling the great promise that had been made to me. About this time, I was placed under an overseer from whom I ran away, and after remaining in the woods thirty days, I returned to the astonishment of the Negroes on the plantation who thought I had made my escape to some other part of the country, as my father had done before. But the reason of my return was that the Spirit appeared to me and said, I had my wishes directed to the things of this world, and not to the kingdom of heaven, and that I should return to the service of my earthly master. For he who knows his master's will and doeth it not shall be beaten with many stripes, and thus I have chastened you. And the Negroes found fault and murmured against me, saying, that if they had my sense, they would not serve any master in the world. And about this time I had a vision, and I saw white spirits and black spirits engaged in battle, and the sun was darkened, the thunder rolled in the heavens, and blood flowed in streams, and I heard a voice saying, Such is your luck, such you are called to see, and let it come rough or smooth, you must surely bear it. I now withdrew myself as much as my situation would permit, from the intercourse of my fellow servants, for the avowed purpose of serving the Spirit more fully, and it appeared to me, and reminded me of the things it had already shown me, and that it would then reveal to me the knowledge of the elements and the revolution of the planets and the operation of tides and changes of the seasons. This comes to the conclusion of the show. The next show will be a continuation of Nat Turner's confession. Thank you for listening. You can reach me by email barbara b at newheightseducation.org. Be sure to join me every Sunday at radio.newheightseducation.org, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as I discuss the history of civil rights. Also join Orlanian Tabert's pre-recorded radio show, which airs by Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and Pamela Clark's pre-recorded shows, which airs Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Civil rights is our right. Have a great week. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page, radio.newheightseducation.org, for monthly announcements and other happenings. Imagine your new bathroom. 
a sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. Bathfitter. 